The following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. Well, welcome to Church of the Redeemer. We're so glad that you're with us this weekend for the study of God's Word. I want to give a good welcome to all of our different campuses. We welcome our Frederick campus, our Clarksburg campus, our universities at Shady Grove campus, Gaithersburg campus. Let's give everyone a good round of applause and welcome everybody together as we are worshiping and studying this weekend. Also, all the folks that are joining us online as well. This summer, we're involved in a series of messages called Wise Up. We're going to continue that series, so go ahead and grab your Bibles and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to a very important part of this study. In Proverbs chapter 3, uh, we'll be looking today at verses 9 and 10 of this very important chapter in this series called Wise Up. I want to talk to you about generosity in your life and the value of generosity. I think everybody would agree that we all need wisdom. Wisdom is something that we're all growing in, that we need to develop in our lives, and wisdom is not something something you get when you need it. It's something you develop before you need it so that when you need it, you actually have it. And that's why we're taking time to study wisdom principles. And of course, there is no better book uh, than the Bible for discovering wisdom to live your life by. And, and as we look at the Bible for our wisdom guide, there's no better book in the Bible to provide wisdom than the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, the various chapters, 31 chapters of the book, we're focusing our attention this summer on the third chapter. So I hope that you're taking some time uh, during your week to read through Proverbs chapter 3 and to track along with us. Today I want to draw your attention to verses 9 and 10 as we're working our way through this chapter together. And I want to read this from the New International Version. Listen as I read. Why don't we all read it together, actually, in all of our campuses? Let's read aloud and loudly God's Word, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Read with me. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Listen as I read it again. Honor the Lord. How? With your wealth with the first fruits of your crops, all your crops. Then, that is, here's the promise to you and me, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In these two little verses, God gave us a promise, a very important promise, and that's really what we're going to talk about this weekend, the promise of God associated with this particular verse. He gave us a plan that is a way to go about the promise, and then He challenges us to begin to change our perspective about the material dimension of life. So there is a, a promise, a plan, and a change of perspective. What I, what, I, what I mentioned a moment ago is the whole idea of the promise. I want to start with that as we look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. And there's one main lesson I want you to learn with us this weekend. The lesson is simply this. You and I need to know something. We need to know that God knows and that God cares about every one of the needs in your life. The material needs in your life represent something that God is fully aware of and that God is very interested in assisting you with. Every person this weekend has needs. You have a need in your life right now, financial need, a relational need, uh, maybe in your business or some need that you have. We all have needs, and part of that need involves the sustaining and advancing of our life, the taking care of our families, uh, making sure that we have enough to do what we need to do with life. And there are many examples in the Bible of God taking care of people, just like you and me. 
They were not different than us. There were people like, like us that God said, I care about, I know about your need, and I deeply care about it. Let's talk about a few of them. In the Old Testament, there were the Israelites. When they were going through the, the wilderness and they were spending 40 years wandering through a desert. Think about that with me for a moment. And they have absolutely nothing to eat. There's no place for them to buy groceries, if you will. No place for them to grow crops. It's an impossible situation from a human perspective. But the Bible says that during those 40 years that God took care of his people by providing them every day manna or bread from heaven. And they never missed a meal. Think about that. That the people of God never missed a meal in the desert for 40 years because of a God who knew their need and cared about it. There's a prophet Elijah when he was being pursued by Ahab and Jezebel and he has to hide himself by a brook and he doesn't know how he's going to sustain himself because again he's, he's having to protect himself from the potential assault of a king that wanted to kill him. But the Bible says that the ravens, the birds would come and bring food to him every day and even though he could not go out and take care of himself, God took care of him. There's a widow that lived in a, in a place called Zarephath during a time of drought and famine, and she has almost nothing to provide her, and so she's about to eat her last meal. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 17, and she's about to make a little bit of bread for herself and her son, and, and she's going to eat it and die, she says. But Elijah comes on the scene and provides her the principles of God's word, the principles of provision in God, and there this little widow learns to receive everything that she needed in life. God took care of her and sustained her because she learned the principles and the promises of God. And then, of course, we know a story, a very familiar story in the New Testament. You know this story well. It's the story of Jesus having taught a whole bunch of folks one day on a mountainside, and then he looks at the crowd and, and, and realizes they're tired and, and they're hungry. They need something to eat. The challenge was uh, two things. Number one, it's a big crowd. Number two, there's no food uh, or very little food. And so he looks at his disciples and said, you know, I care about what's going on with, with this crowd. Let, let's give them something to eat. And you know the story of how the disciples went out and looked among the crowd and came back with five loaves and two fish and how Jesus took the five loaves and two fish from the little boy that presented his lunch to Jesus and Jesus blessed it and broke it. It was multiplied. And there you see again this miracle provision where God came on the scene. Jesus took care of the needs of people. And I want you to know today that God wants to supply every need in your life. There's not a single need that you have that first and foremost God doesn't know about. He knows it. And second of all, there's not a need that you have in your life that God doesn't care about and he really wants to meet and take care of. Jesus made this very clear. Listen to these words in Matthew 6, uh, verses 24 and 25, and then the same chapter, verses 33 and 34. Jesus said, no man can serve or no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Notice that all of those things are provisions for your material needs, what you will eat, what you'll drink, what you will wear. That's your, 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 your clothing, your food, your sustenance. Is not life, Jesus says, more important than food and the body, more important than clothes? And then he brings us down to the key principle in verses 33 and 34 of the same chapter. But seek first 
his kingdom. That's God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's God's righteousness, the right way to live according to God's plan. And all these things, what things? Well, the things you need to live by, all these things will be added to you as well. And then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. That is, don't worry about the provisions for what's coming for your future. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I want to take you back to the book of Proverbs as we read a few moments ago and listen again to these principles, to these promises that God gives us in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God brings this into the culture of the day, and that was an agricultural culture. And he reminded them that God wants to take care of you. He used terms that they could understand, first fruits of crops and barns overflowing and vats brimming over. He understood, see, God not only made you a spiritual being, he gave you a physical body with physical needs. And again, he deeply cares about meeting those needs in your life. Now, the promise here is very clear. God said, I'm going to make sure that your barns are filled to overflowing. If you'll follow my principles, here's the promise for you. I'm going to make sure that your barns, not, not your baskets, but your barn, that's a, that's a big deal there. And that your vats will brim over with new wine. That's an overflowing provision. And part of what I want you to see in today's message is the understanding of the generous nature of God. God not only cares about you, knows what you need and cares about you, but God wants to be and is and will be generous towards you. There is this overflowing barns and brimming over vats. It's not just enough to get by. It's just not a little bit to survive. It's a thriving, plentiful mentality that we need to develop. In fact, the scripture is very clear about this generous nature of God. When you and I cooperate with the principles that provide for, that lead us to provision, there's a promise of this generous outpouring of blessing. Malachi chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. Listen to this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And we'll talk more about that later as a part of this series. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Notice generosity. Pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and and the vines and your fields will not drop their fruit before it, it is ripe, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God says, I want to open up the windows of heaven. I want to Make sure that there's a copious supply of blessing in your life, that it flows down from heaven like pouring rain until there's no need for more. And I want to make sure that I prevent or rebuke those things that would consume your life. The generous nature of God was, was, was communicated by Jesus as well. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Notice again the generous, copious blessing of God. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so God says, I want to test your generosity on the basis of my generosity. I want you to grow and be generous as I am generous. And then the Apostle 
Apostle Paul gave us some instructions as well and promises associated with this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. He says, remember this. Now, anytime you find a passage in Scripture that says, remember this, certainly we ought to always remember everything we read in the Bible. It's important for us to remember. But when God adds a remember this to something we should already remember, there's a special encouragement to say, this is a key principle for your life. And so God says through the pen of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, remember this. Why don't you turn to that person beside you right now and tell them, don't forget what you're about to read. Tell them, don't forget what you're about to read. Now listen to what it says. Remember this. Don't you forget this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give. Notice that. Now we're learning something about what our responsibility is, and we'll spend more time talking about that next weekend. But really, my focus is on what God wants to do for you. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at verse number 8. And God is able to bless you. What's the key word there? Notice the next word. What is it? Abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The Bible speaks of God as the God who blesses in abundance. And what I'm trying to drive home today in this message and, and helping us to see the wisdom associated with this is, is the change of perspective and the grabbing hold of the promise that the God that we serve is a generous God. I think a lot of folks have a false concept of God. They think of God as perhaps not being so generous. But I want you to see that the Bible very clearly presents this to us. And that if we'll live a certain way, if we'll learn to walk in the wisdom of God, in that wisdom we will find ourselves the recipient of the generosity of God in our lives. I talked about it in my first message, that wisdom is what leads you to favor. Wisdom is what leads you to blessing. Wisdom is what leads you, walking in wisdom is what leads you to experience the generous nature of God, and especially in the realm of the provision for your life. So with the time that we have left, I'm going to share with you seven points of wisdom, the way of wisdom when it comes to the generous nature of God and the provision of God. So uh, engage with me in the next few moments as we look at these seven things to remember about God's generosity and God's provision. Number one, always remember that God is inclined to give and God is inclined to forgive. What you must understand about God is that it is God's nature to give. God cannot not give. See, when someone is a giver, that's what they do. You can't take it out of them. You can't say, hey, don't be a giver, because by their nature, they're a giver. And God, by His nature, is a giving God. In fact, His loving nature means that He gives. God so loved the world that He, what's the next phrase? He gave His only begotten Son. And one of the deep dimensions and realities of love, you can't really love without giving. Love is an action, and one of the actions of love is giving. And one of the actions of love is forgiving. And that's why when you and I approach God, we're approaching a God who loves to give. That's why when you pray, you should pray with faith and with confidence, with an expectation. Now, God may not give you everything you ask for, 
or he may not give it to you when you want it. He may adjust what he gives you based upon what's best for you, but you approach God with the awareness that our God is a generous God who is inclined to give and is inclined to forgive. That also means this, when you mess up, the best thing you can do is go to God and ask him for forgiveness because he's inclined to forgive. See, we, we aren't as human beings. We, we like to retaliate. We like to hold grudges. We like to make people pay for what they've done to us. But God's not like that. As soon as we approach him with our sin, with our mistake, and we own it and say, God, I'm, I'm making my confession to you, owning up to this thing in my life, the, there's an inclination in the heart of God to say, I forgive you. Time and time again, all throughout the Bible, you see God forgiving people as soon as they would open up and acknowledge their need of his forgiveness. So the first thing to always remember when you pray, when you worship, when you read the Bible, when you interact with other people and communicate who God is to, is to others and the witness that you share is to always present and have a mindset of God as the one who is deeply inclined by his love to give and and to forgive. The second thing I want you to remember about God, his generous nature and, and uh, about the provision, the promise of provision, is that God's supply never runs dry. I've talked about this before. I want to remind you of it again this weekend, that there has never been a shortage in heaven. There's always plenty. And I think for us, uh, there's a tendency to think in terms of scarcity, but God never thinks in terms of scarcity. God thinks in terms of abundance. There's always plenty with God. And many times we have the idea that God's blessing is somewhat limited. It's like God has a limited supply of blessing. And, and it's like a pie, okay? And if, if you get a piece of pie, that means one that I can't get. So if you grew up with siblings in your house, you realize that there was only so much food to go around. You better get your portion first and get as much as you wanted because what, if, you, if someone else beats you to the table, then you know what? You may have a less portion. That's not the way it is with God. God has an ample supply. It never runs out. And so that means there's enough for you. It's not just like God can take care of this person, but he doesn't have enough to take care of, uh, of you. God has enough to take care of everybody, no matter what your circumstance is right now, where you've come, come from or what you've experienced in life. There's enough to get you to where you need to be. The supply of God never, ever runs dry. God is not the God of scarcity. God is the God of abundance. God is the God of plenty. Now, the third thing I want you to see about, about this whole idea of God's generosity and our provision from God, our, our relationship with the generous nature of God, is that God's plan is this. God's plan is to do more in your life than to meet your needs in a crisis. He wants to increase your life capacity so that you will demonstrate his generous character. Now, there's some key words here. I'm going to read this again because I, this is a very important lesson for us to learn. We're talking about wising up. This is a key point of wisdom. God's plan in your life is to do more than just to meet your need in a crisis. I've got a crisis, God, I need you to help me pay this bill, or I need you to help me buy this, uh, this meal, or I need you for this amount of money or to take care of this crisis. God's plan is to do more than just to be your crisis, God. He wants to increase your life capacity 
so that you will demonstrate his generous character. Let me explain these, these terms to you. There are many people, the only way they relate to God is on the basis of crisis. What I mean by that is this. Any time they have a crisis, their, their response is, God, I need your help. Now, of course, that's important. We do need God's help in times of crisis, and we do all face crisis points at times. But there are many people that live their life on a crisis basis with God. They only go to God when there's a crisis, and then God helps them, and then they sort of forget about God, and then another crisis comes, and they run back to God, uh, and they never learn how to live a disciplined spiritual life that helps them to avoid some of those crisis points. And God's plan is not just to, re just to rescue you from crisis after crisis after crisis. That's the way some people live. Instead of living from glory to glory, they live from crisis to crisis. And it's time for us in maturing, if you want to mature as a believer, you move beyond that mentality, beyond that approach to, to living. And what you begin to do, and we'll talk about more as we move through this, the, these seven points, but what you want to do is to, to let God develop your life capacity so that now you're applying the principles of God. You're learning to grow capacity in your life so that you become a well, you become a resource through which God can now generous, generously uh, apply and, and give through you so that God's generous nature becomes a part of you. And you have something to give. You're not just grabbing in the moment of a crisis but actually you're learning and developing capacity so that you now are demonstrating the character of God as it comes to his generosity. One of the ways that I've said it here, and I wrote this in my notes, and I think this will be a, a good way for you to remember it, is that you and I need to move beyond the get what I need to survive mentality to the learn what I need to learn to thrive mentality. I want to say that again. That you and I need to move from the get what I need to get to survive mentality. That's the way a lot of people live. i got to get what I need to get so I can survive. We need to move from that to the learn what I need to learn to thrive mentality. There's a really big difference in the surviving and the thriving. And that really ties into the fourth thing I want to share with you. The fourth thing in, in this journey toward generosity is to understand that God has given us principles. That's the key word there, principles, that when they're obeyed, they will position you for provision and increased capacity. How do you develop this capacity so that the character of God, His generous character, can be demonstrated through you? Well, there are principles principles, wise principles that God has given you, that when you obey them, when you do what those principles tell you to do, you begin to apply them in your life, then what happens is it positions you to receive God's provision and it increases the capacity in your life. The way you move to the learn what you need to learn to thrive mindset is by learning and obeying spiritual principles. And I'm going to talk in our next message together about the principles uh, that will help you to begin to do that. And so it's very important that you join us next weekend as we talk about the principles that will move you into a greater capacity in your life so that the generous nature of God can be demonstrated through you. And that's the fifth point. God's provision is a flow that we move into and live in. God's provision is more than just something for the moment. It is a flow. Say that word with me. It is a flow. I want you to step in. God wants you to step into the flow of provision. 
not a moment of provision, but a flow of provision that we live in, that we operate in. The, the best example of this is the children of Israel in the, in the promised land. I told you a few moments ago that when uh, the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, you might recall for those 40 years, that every day they had to have a miracle to survive. They were survivors. The only way they could survive every day is that that manna had to miraculously come down from heaven to feed them. I mean, one day without a miracle, and they were sunk. One day without a miracle, and it was over for them. So every day was a miracle day. And thank God for miracles. I'm all in favor of miracles. I believe in miracles. We, we need miracles. Nothing wrong with miracles. There are times in life when you need God to supernaturally superintend a situation, to step beyond the natural and do something supernatural. And that's exactly what happened for the children of Israel in the wilderness. Every day, God supernaturally sent them heavenly food. But again, Again, it was a day-by-day survival for them. But when they entered into the promised land, something happened. The Bible says that as soon as they entered into the land, the manna stopped. Think about that for a moment. As soon as they entered into this beautiful land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, a fertile land, a land where they were to establish their homes and claim their territory. When they went into the land of Canaan, the promised land, the, mir- the daily miracle stopped and they stepped into a life of responsibility, a life of sowing and reaping. They stepped into a flow of life. And the flow of life was not, I've got to have a miracle every day. It's I have to learn how to sow what I need to sow so that over time I'm going to reap what I need to reap. And so they learned to live in the flow of provision. And God wants to do that in your life. Again, one of the beautiful things about God is to move us to a place in our maturity so it's not just about surviving, it's about thriving. And I know those two words can sound maybe even corny or, like, or just words that I'm using to rhyme, but I'm not. There's a big difference in surviving and thriving. And God's plan for your life is not just to survive. Yes, are there moments that we need God just to step in and to help us to survive something we're going through? Absolutely. We need those miracle survival moments. But we also need, as we grow in God, to move to that place where we're not just surviving, but we're thriving because we're living in a flow of a mature spiritual life that results in blessing in and around us. The next point I want you to see, and this is the sixth thing that I want you to note about the generous uh, nature of God and our response to it, is that generosity is a choice, not something that's ever coerced. If you're going to be, learn to live a generous life, generosity is not something that, that can ever be coerced in your life effectively and should never be coerced. You should never let someone coerce you into becoming generous. It should be a choice that you make because real generosity is the decision that you have in your life based on the revelation and desire of who God is. I'm revealed, I have a revelation that God is generous. And so if I'm going to step into a relationship with God to be like Him, and we'll talk a bit about that in my last point in just a moment, 
But what I must do is have a revelation that the generous nature of God is calling me to duplicate that in my life, to represent that in my life. And it's not something that anyone coerces. It's something that I decide to do. And that's why it's very important when you're being challenged to give, that challenges are good. In fact, I, I'm going to challenge you as a part of this series in wising up. To be wise, I would challenge you. You've got to be a giver, and you've got to learn how to give and how to give generously. And I don't hesitate or apologize for challenging you to learn to give. But I could never, nor would I ever want to try to coerce you to do that, nor, nor would God. God says, this is my nature I want you to want to be like me. And so generosity is not something you're forced into. The Bible says that we're, we're to be generous, not out of compunction, not out of the pressure that's put upon us to do so, but because we've realized that there's a joy in giving. The Bible says that God loves what kind of a giver? Not a coerced, mad, frustrated, got to do it because I have to giver who gives grudgingly, but a giver who is generous. God loves a cheerful giver, someone who's learned the joy that's found in giving. In fact, the phrase that you find there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, for God loves a cheerful giver, is actually the Greek word where we get our English word hilarity or hilarious from. This sort of a laughter that we have, a joyous, bubbling laughter that we realize, wow, what an amazing thing it is to step into the flow of generosity. As God is generous, we want to be generous, so it's never coerced. And the last thing I'll mention here is we're wrapping Wrapping up in today's message is that when you're generous, you're actually being and becoming godly. The reality is if you want to be godly, and really the word godly means to be like God, to demonstrate his character, to exemplify his nature, which is what all of us need to be, to be more like Jesus, to be more uh, godly in the way that we think and things that we do. But if you want to be more godly, at some point you have to deal with generosity. There's no growth in godliness without at some point a growth in generosity. It's going to affect the material realm of your life. That's just the way it is because that's where the Bible says where your treasure is is where your heart is. And so if you're going to learn to give your heart to God, you've got to learn how to let go of some of the treasures of things that you hold on to in life, as do I. And so it's growing in godliness. To be like God, you have to be generous. You have to learn to give, and you have to learn to forgive. See, generosity is not just about giving in, your, in the material realm of your life, but it's also about forgiving from your spirit. It's about learning to let go of those things that you want to hold on to when someone has hurt you or offended you in some way. It's learning to have a free and generous capacity to give to others as God has given to you. The main principle today is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Listen to it again. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, notice this generosity, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Next week, we're going to talk about the importance of the principles that will be applied in our lives, how to apply them, the importance of taking those steps that we need to take that lead us to the generous nature of God. But today, the most important thing is to remember is that God knows every need you have, God cares about every need that you have, and God wants to generously take care of your needs as you learn how to live according to His will and plan. 
Would you join me together as we pray? Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word this weekend. Thank you for speaking to us. We pray that in the name of Jesus, you take this message and really apply it deeply into our hearts and lives. I pray that each one of us would grow through it. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to develop the same kind of spirit that you have, a generous spirit, people that are freely giving, cheerfully giving, and freely and cheerfully forgiving as well. When people hurt us or offend us in some way, that we're not people that hold on and have grudges. But Lord, let us have a free and generous spirit just as you do. Take this message. Take these truths. Let us wise up and let us see the wisdom of generosity. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.